There's more verses in the scripture about how God does not listen to prayer than there are about how he does. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a part of a series we've been doing on spiritual warfare, going through Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. We're praying this is useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. Be thou my wisdom and thou my true word. I ever with thee and thou with me, Lord. Ephesians 6, 1 through 20. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. I want to pray uh, briefly. Father, um, uh, help me uh, to do what it is you've given me to do, uh, because I don't know that I know how to do it. Uh, Holy Spirit, come and do what we can't seem to do. Awaken us, change us, transform us, and bring us Jesus. For we pray in his name. Amen. Um, I will tell you, uh, I'll warn you, let me give you a warning. Um, I had a dark night of the soul last night, and so you are, uh, you all going to have to put up with that. 
What that means, what I mean when I say that is, have you ever had a dark night of the soul? Have you? Yeah, yeah, we all get, we all have them from time to time. I don't know whether insomnia marries anxiety and they produce fear. <laughs> and you're a little baby fear in your heart all night or whatever it is. And I felt that last night. I, it's one of those times where having written or and having worked on and labored on a message about prayer, about praying, it, it seemed uh, perhaps our father's wit. Well, perhaps. I know it was our Father's will. Uh, he appointed a night where I would have to test prayer. You know, I'd have to test that moment and that, that conflict and that, that, that dark night that, where you ask yourself, where, where are you, Father? And you ask questions like this. The universe is 13.7 billion years of cause and effect. We, and because of that, because it's 13.7 billion years of cause and effect, we are able to wind back the clock and unravel the mysteries of the beginning of the universe. Amazing, right? But it's funny to me that with all of this, that our solution, sometimes it feels like this, doesn't it? Is to talk to the air. Anybody ever felt that? <laughs> like that chilling moment of unbelief? What am I doing? Who is listening? Are you listening? Are you there? Where are you? Can I find you? 13.7 billion years of cause and effect right after the other. The law of thermodynamics guiding the process irrevocably forever to its end. Until I think, oh, well, that doesn't make sense. Wrong way. Until what? Until cause and effect was broken by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Praise him. You see, everything has changed. Everything has changed. You see, there is no cause and effect that makes sense of death and resurrection. They are not a sequitur. They are not a reasonable. The, that effect is not entailed in that cause. And so, somehow, the way the universe works is, I think, somehow broken for us. And I think broken in love for us. Broken, as it were. And, and then, it, when I'm asked to pray, I am asked to insert myself and my words and my desires right there in that and. Can you see that? Right there, I'm sitting there going, here's the causes. I want a different effect. Right? I got all these causes in my life, all these causes of what happens around me. I, Father, I want a different effect. <laughs> Isn't that what prayer is? Isn't physically and materially and, 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 and urgently, doesn't that, doesn't that make sense of it? I, I, things are not the way I want them to be in the world. And I take my hope and my joy. And I saw something in this that I hope will give you, bring you hope and joy. This is what we just read, sorry. We're going to be looking at this. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Uh, and we're actually we're going to take 18 and we're going to go all the way down to uh, the first clause of 19. Kind of, well, actually, the rest of it. And we're wrapping up this time in the invisible war, talking about, these, about prayer now as the final, the final uh, kind of thing that we're exhorted to do and act.
What is prayer? I want to turn to the scriptures so that you can, and passages like this are just so beautifully warm. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I'll stop there. That actually bothers me a little bit because that means I, it makes it sound like I had to figure out what his will is uh, in order to pray correctly. But then listen to that. That's not what it's saying. His will is that we pray. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, because that's his will, right? That we ask whatever. And we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. And so it, there's this beautiful invitation. And you know what's funny? Everybody prays. <laughs> it's really funny. Everybody does. Everybody, how many of you have like an ongoing prayer dialogue in the back of your heads a lot of times? You're just kind of roughly kind of asking for stuff or ruskly, rusk, you know, kind of in the back. Uh, everybody prays. It's a very, very universal event. Uh, event. You know that. And very, very few people in the world don't pray. And what I'm concerned about this morning materially is kind of out the gate in this question of, 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 of the spiritual conflict. I'm concerned because there's more, there's more verses in the scripture about how God does not listen to prayer than there are about how he does. There are more scriptures that warn you that God does not listen to prayer than there are where he promises that he does. These are just some of them. And what I want you to notice is they, they, they wind up falling into two categories. The first category is the internal the internal category. If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. If you will not be in a line with the word of God, the sword of the spirit, to pray in the spirit, you notice that? You sword of the spirit and then you pray in the spirit. If you take the word of God out, what have you got? A prayer that is an abomination in itself. Ooh. Let's keep going internally. If we had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. What does this mean? How many, I, I like candy. I'm a big candy. I like, I like, uh, I like, I like sweets. It's terrible, terrible taste. Uh, terrible. I love jelly beans. And uh, I, I don't like Trader Joe's. I like the American. No, I like the American. I'm very picky about my jelly beans. And, uh, but what this is talking about is that, is that little sin that you keep secretly in your mouth, a little, like a little sweet, the one that you keep secretly for yourself. The one that you can't give up, the little, the sin that you cherish, the one that you hold back. You don't tell anybody about it because you're kind of embarrassed, but you hold on to it. But you see, you're holding it back. You're, you're hiding it. It's the one thing you won't give up. This is what this is talking about. That, that image of candy, of a candy sweet, that's from Spurgeon, actually. James 1, 5 through 7. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously with all without reproach and will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Again, this is internal, right? You ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend on your passions. These are all internal. Doubt. By the way, that doubt there. <laughs> Look, there's a doubt that comes from faith and it's beautiful. There's a doubt that comes from faith. Oh, yes, there is. <laughs> and because it says, it's written when, when Christ was, uh, was when, in Matthew 28, when he was about to ascend, it said they gathered together to see him ascend. And it says of the apostles, some doubted. No, this is about unbelieving doubt. This is the doubt that wants to test and that rejects, but it's the internal life. And then 
These last two are external. Whenever you stand and pray to forgive, you have anything against anyone. And you see, all of a sudden, the, 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 the uh, vertical relationship, which is determined by the internal, the, the character of your heart internally, also becomes horizontal, right? So if I have something against Michael, he has all against me, prayer somehow. But, and then to get more specific, husbands, and this is heavy, I, I almost don't want to preach this because I'm afraid my wife might use it against me once she hears it. Uh, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding. Every wife should do this. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since, oh, you might, some of you might not like that. But since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that what? Your prayers may not be hindered. And wow. So you see that there's a vertical and there's a horizontal uh, part that either that, that can disqualify or or stultify or somehow limit or or or, or make it. Have you ever felt like the heavens are like brass? That's from the, that's from, that's from the that's from the Psalms. The skies are like brass. Why aren't you? Well, often we have to do some diagnosis, and the reason this is so important is this is also a part of the satanic playground, right? To infiltrate and to, and 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 to and to discourage and to and to and to. To, to, to get you into your passions and to have your grudges held. And of course, what is Satan's goal in activity? And what is the one inactivity? What is the one thing that our enemy does not want you to do, Melody? The one thing you must not do. Pray. Pray. Why? Because prayer is disruptive. Let's start, let's start, let's just jump in. I said prayer in the spirit, prayer in the spirit. If you, now, is this, in, what is this describing? Prayer in the spirit. Isn't that a strange kind of, what do, you, what do you think when you hear it? And maybe you think it sounds kind of charismatic or charismaniac or Pentecostal. We're going to get groovy in the spirit and we're going to start dancing. I'm all for it. I don't care if we do that. But that's not what this is about, I don't think. And sometimes people talk about whether it's intimacy with God or asking for stuff. Which one is it? Which one do you tend to do? Do you tend to like, like the feeling you have when you're with God? You, that, that prayer becomes kind of a conduit for an emotional experience. It's not a bad thing. It can be an idol, right? It can be the wrong thing. It can be um, sometimes when people say, I'm really, I'm about intimacy with God. <laughs> You've heard this prayer is not you changing God. It's you pulling your boat to the shore. You ever heard this before? And somehow you're, God doesn't change. You're just pulling your boat to the shore closer to him like that. That's kind of cool, I guess. Sounds kind of silly to me. But because something better be changing because of prayer. I don't have to be clever. I don't have to understand eternity. Something better be changing because of prayer. Because that's what I was told. I don't want anything to do with. Sometimes people love to talk about intimacy with God because really they are, it's unbelief. Right. In other words, we never, I remember one time, uh, guys, uh, there was somebody had asked for prayer and they, and specifically for the healing of their hand and the elders wouldn't pray for it publicly, specifically, they just prayed for healing. And their response was, if we get too specific, people might get disappointed if God doesn't answer. That's unbelief. That's intimacy. How about asking for stuff? Well, what, what else can happen? You have the unbelief that's not specific. It says some feel-good intimacy with God kind of thing. But then you have also what? Asking for stuff that becomes mechanical. And some of us get into this too, where we really, it's really a to-do list. It's a laundry. Jesus is my butler. Come on. 
where are you? You know, that kind of attitude. God is your, is your, hand, is your servant. Kind of thing. And you know what's wonderful about that? He doesn't even mind. <laughs> he, is, he is gracious. He took the attitude of a servant. He's very kind with us. And he often answers mechanical prayers. And even this he answers. But I want to I bring you, these are, these are errors. And, and of course, this is exactly where our enemy swoops in to take the beauty of prayer and intimacy with God and make it a hunt for an experience. And then it's no longer intimacy with God. It's you intimate with your good feelings. <laughs> really? That's all it is. Or uh, he can get you all over here and, and he, can, he can distract you and, 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 and get you like, getting you into a mechanical thing where you, I, I pray for everybody. I pray my list. I pray every day. I pray for five, you know, whatever it is, your minutes or anything. And you tell everybody about it and all that. You know, what is that? That's prayers, manipulation for your spiritual benefit. I will say this. What you are in secret prayer is who you really are. And I don't know that person. That's the point, secret. I can't ever be there, right? What's your secret identity in Jesus? We'll know it. And you will even know it in yourself by the attitude and the work of prayer. And I, wanna, I just want to pop this baby. I want to get excited about, about what, this, what this prayer could be for us. And here we are looking at this, praying at all times in the Spirit. We're going to take a look at this idea of all times in praying in the Spirit. And prayer and supplication. By the way, supplication is what? Asking for stuff. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, asking for stuff, and also for me, that words may be given, open my mouth. And that's where we're going we're gonna to bear down and ask Jesus to give us a spirit of prayer. Anybody ready? Let's do it. All right. Prayer in the spirit is what? This is the first thing I love. This is, must be true. If this is not true, then you should leave. In fact, if I'm not telling you the truth right now, I, I, I'm going to be pitied because Prayer in the Spirit is disruptive. We have been asked to interfere with cause and effect when it comes to illness, poverty, uh, injustice in our city, uh, the poor. And we're not just, oh my goodness, it's wonderful. It's disruptive. And do you even hear? Prayer intersects between cause and effect and God enters. And then a lot of times what God winds up doing is taking you and putting you in there too, right? Like you become the answer even. It doesn't matter. And maybe sometimes you are, but something is, prayer in the spirit is disruptive. It's not prep. We're not preparing for something else. And do you notice that we tend to treat prayer like that? We are earnest. Like a lot of you get, you know what? Every time somebody comes up here to pray, I hate this. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I have this attitude up here. I'm always listening going, I hope he doesn't pray too long. No, you know why? Because I'm afraid somebody won't like the church if there's too much prayer because they get bored. Prayer doesn't sell. Prayer's not sexy. Prayer isn't cool. Prayer doesn't grow big churches quite the way you want to. You know? It doesn't do... You see, yeah, you see, amen, I know it does. And, but you see, you hear what's going on there. You hear, you hear that, the unbelief in it. You hear it. Prayer is not preparation, it is the work. <sighs> now, when we have a day of prayer, we have a day of prayer, we ought to, all right, let me take you, prayer is disruptive. Let me, I, I, wanna, I wanna go back to the Lord's Prayer. Look at our translation of the Lord's Prayer. Look at, take a look at it. It is mistranslated, and I apologize for that. I've been meaning to change it. I mean to change it back and edit it. Because in Matthew, the original, 
in Matthew, in Greek says, lead us not into temptation and what? Deliver us from? It, it says the evil one in the original. Now, the reason it's translated evil is because talking about the evil one is not very popular in these days. You see? In other words, you're giving the, 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 you're giving the Lord's Prayer a fanciful supernatural element that a lot of people find distasteful. They're wrong. But this was, in fact, in the Lord's Prayer, in his primary, uh, uh, what do you call it, his primary primer, his teaching moment for what prayer should be, it contains in it your instructions for you to pray against the devil. And we don't take that very seriously <laughs> to our harm, to our detriment, and to his success. Prayer is disruptive. And this is why our enemy wants to, wants, this is the one thing he wants to stop you doing, Michael. And it's horrible how successful he's been, isn't it? It's terrible, isn't it, Eric? We're, the prayerlessness of our lives is nothing less than a grand victory of the evil. No disruption. You wonder why there's no disruption in this generation? Where are your prayers? Where are they? <laughs> Prayer in the spirit, we're, we're staying on this topic, is taking action on all of God's love. It is not passive. What did you think this armor was? You know, I took the different parts of the armor, sermon after sermon, until somewhere right around here, uh, I, uh, my, 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 my wife said, are we going to keep doing every piece? I'm like, yes, we are. And so I heard her weariness. I hear yours. I see it in your eyes. This is the last Sunday on this, so don't worry about it. But these are all the same, actually. What they represent is Paul's eagerness to get every part of Jesus in you. All of Jesus in his righteousness on you. This belt of truth, breastplate, they're all different takes. They're all different perspectives. They're all meant to be different, different ways you can perceive the love of God and wear it. Where you can know the righteousness and the truth and the salvation of our God and it be yours. It wrap you up and, and cover you and protect you. Everything that God is for all that you are. All that he is for all of us. Yes, it's not passive. You know, it's funny. We, and we, we, we constantly sing about this. We, we were singing about it today. Where we, we were talking, singing about, uh, let's go back. Jesus, I am resting. Re what is this? What is this resting, resting in the joy of what he is? It's not passive. It's grabbing all that goodness. It's grabbing that grace. It's grabbing that. Remember what uh, Bob called that truckload of of Jesus's good works backed up into your life and dumped on you, right? That's all of this. So that what happens then? You know what all this, you know what God on you makes you, Michael? Your prayer is peer-to-peer -peer networking with God. How can that be possible? There's no way we are his peer unless we are clothed with him. For he said, we have become partakers of the divine nature. That was what Peter told us. And what I'm encouraging you to do, and that's why I encourage you again and again to worship and back to the word and back to prayer, is because you need to get dressed, fellas. You need, to, you need this. Because this, this sets everything up. The action of all of these pieces is finally given to us. Prayer. And what is prayer? Peer-to-peer -peer networking. Where God has made us his peer and said, come, tell me what my counsels should be, Katie. And I will take your counsel with me. He's treating you like a God. 
He's treating you like an equal because in the cross, he bought that. He bought the, he bought the, the actual status of Jesus for you, Simon. You have his status in this conversation. Why are you prayerless? How many years? I may have shared this with some of you. I, uh, uh, when I am going through a crisis, a lot of times I'll make up a story, a narrative in my mind. I've done it since I was a little child. And, uh, and w- when I was having a hard time praying, I remember one day I had kind of a, a vision. It wasn't really a vision. I, wanted, I don't want to claim this is a vision from the Lord. That's not what I'm saying. But I will tell you, it was, it was a, a reverie. Sitting there, and I'm, I really want to talk to God. I'm really, have you ever had this? You really want to go to God, but you feel like something's holding you back. Like you remember how you were in the, in the gutter the other day, or you're just doing something wicked and you talked awfully about somebody, or you, or you just have not cared a fig about God or anybody else. And now you need something and you're going and you're kind of like, yeah, I feel kind of stupid. <sighs> how do I get there? Yeah, I've been there. I'm, I'm there all the time too, right? So one night I'm, I'm like, I'm sitting there in my mind, imagining, imagining I'm in a big room like this, bigger than this, a big room, like a big hotel room, a banquet hall. And there's tons of people in this banquet hall, but everybody wants to go through these double doors at the end in my mind, in this vision I'm having, because in those doors at the end is the entrance to the glory of the throne room of the most high. And everybody's milling around the room. And I'm milling around too. I'm like, why are we all milling here? But right in front of those doors, and this is, this is my... My mind, sorry, my mind, my rules. Uh, he looks like Beauty and the Beast. He looks like the Beast. It's just what, like Beauty and the Beast. It's who he looks. He looks like that, that, that huge, huge, well-dressed animal, fearsome beast. And I don't know who that is. I'm not even thinking. This is just in my mind this is happening. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm in line because I want to go in there. And there's a bunch of people in line. As he's talking to them, I can see them. They're like this. And then they, they go, they put their heads down. And they walk away from the doors. And another person walks away. I'm watching. And I get up there. And he's got a big book. And he says, I don't see your name of your deeds here. You are not qualified to enter. And it hits me as I'm sitting in this, imagining this. I say to him, you're not the doorman. He's not the doorman. He appointed himself there. It's not his place. He has no ability to keep you from the throne room of the Most High. Not if you are dressed in this outfit. (laughs) You see? We are welcomed. Getting all of Jesus over all of you means enacting the grace that saves. And this is where it really kind of, this is where I kind of, this is where this was the moment of joy this morning. I was trying to figure out how to capture this, but how you were saved by grace, weren't you, brother? You were saved by grace, not by works, so you can never boast. Don't you see that prayer is us visiting and grabbing and holding and claiming that same grace every day? A grace undeserved. That's the grace of prayer. A grace, but as we repent, remember all those warnings that God doesn't hear? As we turn from those to this righteousness, We cannot be barred by the evil one, ever. He cannot forbid us take our place at the throne and seek everything that God is for all that we are. We are enacting 
grace of being saved by faith in our daily works. That's why it's be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might, right? And all this taking up and all this grabbing and wearing and claiming is us living in the, thank you, Michael, uh, is us living in the, uh, in the, uh, in the reality of that love. Now, peers to peers. How could that be? Prayer and spirit is routine. Stay woke. Prayer is not prep. Well, you hear, did you hear the alert? And did you hear the alls? How many alls were in the passage? Somebody count them right now. How many alls were in those few verses? I think there's four or five. It says all again and again and again. And then one of, one of the reasons we included the, the beginning stuff with uh, masters and children is because I want you to get a sense that this idea of dressing up in God and dressing up in his love and enacting the prayer access that we have in him is supposed to be something we just, a routine. All the time, every day. Eric, of all the people here, I am the most gl- I'm glad that you got dressed to come to church. I have no desire to ever see you without your clothes on. <laughs> Nothing personal. Nothing personal. But you did us all a favor. And I'm very appreciative. Why are you walking around naked without the armor all the time? I'm not trying to pick on you, brother. You know, I know you want to hear this. I want to hear it. Then why are you walking around defenseless? Wondering why the life is beating the living day. This is happening to me last night as I'm crying out to the Lord. I can feel it. I can feel that pain. And I'm like, and I'm just, oh, why am I not putting the armor on by routine? And understanding that it is a perfect utility device. For it is useful in every circumstance, in all times, for all sorts of people, everywhere I come and everywhere I go and everything the Lord sends, sends to me, I can, equi- I can be equipped by prayer. That's the promise there, right? This routine, doesn't matter what your day throws at you, this routine saves because you're saying, I want all of God for all of my life. And every part of it and every minute of it. Praise him. Stay woke. Prayer is not prep. It is the routine of grabbing the grace of God daily. Prayer in the spirit is in the spirit of the word, and sometimes it's not. Now, I want to get a little bit of this. That the spirit, the sword of the spirit, and, the, and prayer in the spirit are right next to each other. And that seems like an invitation to me. There's something really, real, there's a wealth here. I want you to touch something that you'll probably, maybe some of you have never touched before. Take Psalm 119 and pray it. Don't, I know you won't be able to get through the whole thing because it takes too long. Just get as far as you can. And if I challenge you, because it comes in little stanzas that are represented by every letter of the Hebrew alphabet and an acrostic. But what you could do is take one a day and just pray it. Pray God's words back to him. Remember, it's peer-to-peer networking, right? <laughs> pray his words back to him. He, he knows his words. You have claim over him. You have claim over all of his promises. Get aggressive. Put, make your legal de- declaration. Where's the promise and why hasn't it been satisfied? Honestly, I would like to see more disappointed people in this church. I'm serious. Because you're praying that much. (laughs) And you're like, where's more of your power, Father? Because the only thing I know when God says no to me is my next question is why and can I get something else then for this person? I'm not going to stop. I didn't know. I I never have stopped to know. If you know me, you know that. But then there's something else that kind of creeps in here. A lot of people will tell you you should, you should, you should, you should, you should pray the word. Good advice. Sometimes there are no words. This is what's happened to me last night. This is one of those times where 
this is, this is how, this is how deep and eloquent and articulate your prayer is. Ah! Anybody with me? Ah! Anybody, anybody feel this? That was my last night. It's not fun. But I want to hear something else. I was talking about this problem with a pastor friend, Bob. Bob was here. We were, we were talking about this. And I said, you know what I love? Is that God can pick sense out of confused prayer. And I think it was Bob, maybe it was me, I can't remember. And then the response was, yeah, isn't it funny? Isn't it all confused prayer? Which of us is praying wisely? Which of us is praying his will and knows it? Which of us has a, has a prayer life like that? No, it isn't like that, guys. It, isn't, it doesn't even experience like that. There are times, and this is one of the things I want you to hear so deeply, where you and your grunts and your groans or your weird uh, requests that are all over the board and your inability to pay attention and the fact that half of your prayers are just selfish doesn't matter to our Father. For in His grace, in His love, He can pick sense out of our prayers and then perfect them. <laughs> you see, you can't lose. <laughs> Don't worry about praying well, because that's another little trick of, the, of our enemy. Well, you didn't pray right. That's why you didn't get it. You didn't pray it right. Did you use the formula? <gasps> Did you use the formula? Did you, you hear that? What is that? It's a mechanical attitude. And mechanical visions of grace are no grace at all. They're manipulations of God as if he were a puppet, not a person. I know a person. It's peer to peer. He has ennobled and, and, and engraced me so deeply. I look him in the face. Oh my goodness. I can't, even as I say it, I feel the irreverence of it. How could it be? It must be. He's full of grace. This is who he is. Don't ever worry about your prayers rambling, for your prayers distracted, your prayers going a dozen different directions. Pray to the Father in the name of the Son. Everything in between, he'll sort it out. Prayer is the foundation of your pastor's work. Do you know what is happening in prayer? I meant this to be over here, sorry. I don't think proclamation is actualized sovereignty. I think prayer is. Prayer is the sovereignty of God set in motion by your knees. And if you don't believe that, you don't know my Savior. And if in your reformed convictions, if you are reformed today, and you have some foggy notion of predestination that somehow excuses your unbelief and lack of prayer, then you don't know my God and you don't know those doctrines. Those doctrines were not meant to, oh, well, I don't have to pray, or oh, no, I don't have to care, or oh, I don't have to witness. Or, I don't. You don't know anything then. Anyone who uses God's beauty and love as an excuse for their own inaction, their judgment is just, right? And deserved. Prayer is actualized sovereignty. But look at this. It's only, but it, it actualizes things in the ministry. All right, I'm, I want to do a little blame shifting just because I can for a second. Can I blame all you for how bad my preaching is? Can I? Have you ever left here? Have you ever left here going, man, I should have been praying more for my pastor so he can preach better? <laughs> No, you just go home going, well, what a stinker that was. I don't know what he was talking about. Do you think he even makes outlines? I'm not sure. <laughs> right? Do you, you get what I'm saying here? The effectiveness of the ministry of your pastor, I would even dare say my holiness and my intimacy with our father will depend on great degree to how much you pray, Michael. 
and you, Sarah, and every one of you. So can I get up and just plead? Let's pray for the aunt. Because what happens in that text? Paul realizes he will be set free to preach the gospel with boldness if what? If they pray. Will you pray for me? Because I can't do this, guys. So I was telling this I just had this moment last night. I'm sitting there, and you ever that moment? You're just like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I can't do. You ever that feeling, that prayer? I just can't do this anymore. I can't do. Well, I'm here today, aren't I? <laughs> I can do all things through Him who strengthens me, even the things I don't feel like I can. Praise Him. Praise Him. I look. You know, Spurgeon was very proud when he had visitors. I, told, I shared this yesterday. He was very proud. He'd talk about it. A visitor would come to the church. He goes, well, let me show you the boiler room. I'm like, what? Oh, I'm most proud of the boiler room here. And he would take guests downstairs to a door and they'd open the door. And inside were hundreds of people praying for his ministry every week. No wonder thousands came to Christ. He said, this is my boiler room. This is what makes this church work. Mm, yes, praise him. And I work against the devil. Prayer in the spirit ultimately will make you stay gold. You know, I go to Martin Lloyd-Jones now. And I remember one of my friends of mine met one of the famous preachers of the 20th century. The most, I think the greatest preacher of the 20th century was Martin Lloyd-Jones. When my friend Tom met him, he was talking to a bunch of pastors and very elderly at the time. Everyone he said, Everyone would shake their hand, he'd say, keep on. He'd go to the next, keep on. And, and, and then Tom was taking him to the airport, and he said, Dr. Jones, you said, Dr. Jones. <laughs> so I, this Raiders lost arc. Anyway, uh, Lloyd Jones, sorry, Dr. Lloyd Jones. And he said, why do you always say that? And he said, because in a lifetime of ministry, and Lindsay, you can give witness to this, you see so many fall away. How are we going to stay gold, guys? Because the persevering work, it's in the text. Did you see it? Keep alert with all perseverance. What does this work of prayer, where we grab all that God is, peer to peer, rejoicing in his forgiveness and righteousness, standing to intercede for others, to bring the kingdom, praying for our pastor, whatever. What has happened to all this? For First Press, for, for San Francisco, for me, we can, we'll make it. Sometimes I just want to make it, don't you? Sometimes I don't know if I'm going to make it. You know what I mean? You know that feeling? Am I going to make it? Let us return reinvigorated today with new boldness to pray. I'm serious. Why not? What What would you ask for? What do you want? What are you seeking? What do you want for me? What do you want for our church and for our city? What do you want for your your husband or your wife? What are you seeking for the people you love? We can go and pray. (laughs) We can pray. I had some illustration I was going to use at the very end. I just remembered it, but now I can't remember what it was, so I must be done. All right. Let's pray. Oh, Father. Holy, holy, holy is your name. Holy is the name of your son, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come now, perfect this confused prayer. Hear 
the things I don't even know to ask for and the things I don't know how to describe for my life. And I don't pray that just for me. We all pray it together for ourselves and for the people around us. Answer us better than we ask. Father, we'll, you know what? We're going to pray for our prayer life. Father, that seems appropriate. We've come to seek you, that you would make us seek you. And we praise you that you'll do stuff like that. Will you forgive our unbelief and our lack of prayer? Will you forgive the things we have permitted to be obstacles in our hearts and our lives and the grudges and whatever it is we have let be obstacles? Will you open up? Would you, was it the, will you clear, make a straight path to heaven for us? Just clear the road, Father. So it's easy to get there because it's so hard for us in this life. Help us with the dark nights of the soul ahead, the evil days that we're warned about in this, in this text because they're coming. And we've some, all of us have had evil days, and we know more are coming. Father, we want to be able to stand, and having done everything, to stay gold, to still stand. Would you do this work? We pray for it. We pray for our prayer lives. We pray for our holiness. We pray for conversion. We pray for our church. We pray for our cancers. We pray for our health. We pray for miracles. We pray for, we pray for all these churches. Everything, Father, just answer us more than we have asked above and beyond. Because that's the kind of God you are. I love you and I thank you that we can do this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, that's, uh, on the night he was betrayed, our Lord, he, he took bread and broke it. And he said, this is my body which is given for you. Take and eat. Oh, this is going to be good today, I can tell already. In a similar way, after the meal, he took a cup of wine that he had poured, and he said, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. This is the cup of the covenant, guys. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. He said, I will not eat this again with you until I eat it anew in my Father's kingdom. Well, someday we'll eat this with him. Right now, we eat this as we wait for him. And what are we figuring? What are we figuring forth? What are we learning? All of God. For all of me. He fills me. He covers me. He sustains me. He, I, he, uh, he uh, makes me who I am. <laughs> Praise him. I invite you to this table. If you have prayed. That God would have mercy on you as a sinner. If your prayers have included that cry. Have mercy on me a sinner. Then you know Christ crucified. And that grace that saved you is the same grace that's available now in prayer to sustain you. Praise him. Come and get it. It's your meal. This table is for sinners whose faith is in Jesus. On the flip side, if you're a good person, you don't need to pray. Oh, maybe you, maybe you have a few scrapes now and then. But if you're a good person, I'm sorry, you came to the wrong church. This is a church for bad people <laughs> whose trust is in Jesus. A good people don't need this. So I, I, I must bar the way. A good person is disqualified. Finally, if you're a skeptic and you're sitting there going, you really think that prayer changes cause and effect? You're crazy? If any of you think I'm crazy because of that, you and I need to talk because you ain't seen nothing yet. 
The living God is answering prayer, and I don't know what you're going to be able to do about it. But praise Him. Someday, I hope, if you're a skeptic, you watch, and you will one day have the joy that we have together in Him. All right. That's, our, that's, our, that's the drill. Now, what we're going to do now is um, we're going to uh, stand up. Let's stand. Will you proclaim the mystery of faith to me? Christ is blind. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Praise Him. Praise Him indeed. Amen. As we come forward to the table, there's wine to the right and grape juice to the left. And we have some gluten-free crackers on the table too for those who prefer it, whose diet, diet demands it. We ask you to take the bread and wine back to your seat and we'll take it together. Uh, and we're going to do that while we sing. But first we're going to do the Apostles' Creed, which I ask you to consent to as having, in, having happened in space and time uh, uh, according to the scriptures. Christian, brother, sister, what do you believe? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyteriansf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you. It's not.